0: Are you just watching episode 37, Iron Man 3? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin, and this episode we are going to be talking about Iron Man 3 in the context of a much greater theme week going on among some really terrific Christian podcasts. So you may be wondering, what is theme week? Well, I'm glad you asked. Cue the track.
1: And there came a day. A day unlike any other. When Earth's geekiest podcasters found themselves united for a common theme. To take on topics no individual geek Christian podcast could withstand. Heed the call, then. For now. Podcasters, assemble! Featuring Are You Just Watching? Movie, book, and TV show reviews with Critical Thinking for Christians. Are you just Faith Hope and Nerds, being creative and being a Christian, Faith Hope and Nerds.com. Game Store Profits, where geek culture and God culture collide, Game Store Geek This Podcast, Geek Culture Without the Pocket Protector, Geek This Geekily Yoked, the world's best married Christian geek podcast, Geekily Yoked.com. Holy Worlds Podcast, Encouraging the effective use of niche media genres for the glory of God. holyworlds.posturous.com. The Sci-Fi Christian, bringing you theology at warp speed. thescifichristian.com Storymen, the intersection of pop culture, theology, and history. storymen.us Strangers and Aliens, exploring faith and imagination. strangersandaliens.com Issue 1 Superheroes
0: Now as I always do when I talk about a movie that's still in the theaters, I always give a little bit of a review before that that's spoiler-free so that you can if you haven't seen the movie, you can at least listen this far and not have the movie ruined. But unfortunately, there isn't a whole lot about Iron Man 3 that I can say without spoiling the movie. But I can tell you this. It is definitely full of violence. It does have some sex and skin in it. Probably not as much as its predecessors, but it does have some. And there is language in it. So if, you know, it it's, it pretty much has earned its PG-13 rating. I would say if you're planning on taking your kids to see it, you might want to watch it first by yourselves without your kids to see whether you really think it's appropriate for them. There is some scenes in this movie that I think for a highly imaginative child, it would probably cause nightmares. So just be aware of that. If you were planning to take your kids to go see it, you might maybe prejudge a little bit, you know, to determine whether it is actually uh, a good thing for, for them to see. Of the three Iron Man movies that I have now seen, I like this one the best. I did not care for the beginning of Iron Man, and Iron Man 2, while it was very entertaining, was not necessarily a movie that I want to watch over and over again. I did, see, I have seen it maybe three times, but it's not one that I sit there, oh, I got to go see Iron Man 2 and stick it in again. But Iron Man 3 is very entertaining, and I... And I think it delves into Tony Stark in a much deeper basis than perhaps some of the other movies did. We did see Tony as a very shallow person who changed into somebody not quite so shallow in the first movie. And in the second movie, we saw him struggling with his um, mortality because he he was slowly killing himself. So there were some things that were were very much dealt with in those movies that, you know, took you beyond just the shallow character. But I I think what I like about this movie is that it takes it a step further. And not only is it a wonderful sequel to Iron Man 2, but it's a great sequel to Avengers. So if you haven't seen the Avengers, and I don't know how you could be on this planet and like these kind of movies and not have seen the Avengers. But if you haven't, go see it because this movie is a sequel to the Avengers, not to Iron Man 2. And there's a lot going on in the character of Tony Stark that has to do with his reaction to what happened in the Avengers movie. So you you probably will have to watch it with that frame of the the previous movie in reference. Now, I really don't want to ruin this movie for you. So if you haven't seen it and you're trying to listen to this podcast and you don't want it spoiled, you need to turn this podcast off and go watch the movie and then come back and finish listening to it. Because there is a major plot point that they've been very careful not to unravel in all the previews and even some of the reviews that I've listened to or read. They have been very careful not to destroy this major plot point. But I will, I will reveal it. I will unravel it. And I don't want to ruin the movie for you. So if you haven't seen it, please go see it and then come back. wrote the score, and he did a remarkable job. Though I will say, if you listen to the entire soundtrack, it's pretty much the same theme over and over and over again. So there isn't a lot of variety in the music. There's some quiet parts and there's some loud parts, but they're pretty much the same general theme over and over again. So if you get tired of themes, then you may not actually like the whole soundtrack. You might just get one piece off the soundtrack if you're a soundtrack collector because once you have one you pretty much have the whole thing. But anyway it's beautiful music. I've been listening to it a couple times uh, since going to see the movie and I've, I've really enjoyed it. It's it's even a little fun to go walking to because it's got some good beat to it. Now I will t- I, I do want to put a disclaimer in and I, I need to start putting this in on any of the podcasts that I do on movies that are currently in the theater. I take notes when I'm in a dark theater and sometimes when I get home after seeing the movie it's really hard for me to tell what I wrote and sometimes I don't get the entire qu- quote because it, mo- the, it moves along so fast I can't get it all written down so when I'm paraphrasing quotes for these episodes just take into a mind where I took the notes and how I took the notes and that I might have gotten a quote here wrong here or there and for what it's worth that's that's you know, it's how I have to do it. If I'm going to talk about movies that are currently in the theaters, it's, it's just a handicap. However, I did go see Iron Man 3 twice just to make sure I had some of the quotes right because I was so concerned after walking out of it the first time that I had only gotten partial quotes and I wanted to get the full gist of what was going on. I went back to see it a second time just so that I could get all of the quotes written down. And it means a delay in the release of this episode because obviously... It's already been in theaters uh, over a week now, and I'm just now recording. But that was the way it had to happen so that I could get all of the quotes right. The first thing I want to talk about in Iron Man 3 is basically the definition of a superhero. Because it's interesting, this superhero theme, this episode, it's not just about Iron Man 3. It's just it's superheroes in general. I was curious because I looked up a definition and and the link to the... Dictionary that I looked up is in the show notes, but I looked up the definition of a superhero, and it's a comic strip character who has superhuman or magical powers and wears a distinctive costume while fighting evil. And I thought that was very interesting because Iron Man does not have any superpowers. He's uh, he's not superhuman. He's not magical. He's just a genius who made himself a suit of armor, and it's not like he, it, it's you know the distinctive costume is I guess his power because that's what he uses to fight evil is the suit of armor that he built himself but inside that suit of armor he's just a man and that comes out really strongly in Iron Man 3 because he is dealing with the aftermath of what happened to him in The Avengers where he had a, a came very close to dying in fact in The Avengers There is a scene, it's actually a pretty famous scene, where Captain America is asking our man, or asking Tony, actually, what he has brought to the table, you know, when they're all together, and he's like, what what are you, you know, you, you just have a suit of armor.
1: Big man in a suit of armor. Take that off, what are you? Genius, billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. I know guys with none of that worth 10 of you. I've seen the footage. The only thing you really fight for is yourself. You're not the guy to make the sacrifice play to lay down on a wire and let the other guy crawl over you. I think I would just cut the wire. Always a way out. You know, you may not be a threat, but you better stop pretending to be a
0: hero. Now this exchange was obviously put in the Avengers on purpose because that's what Tony ends up doing at the end is just what, Captain America has says he doesn't do he put himself on the line he was the one that took the the bomb that was about to go off up and destroyed the wormhole and the mothership of the aliens and all of that so he he put his life on the line he was the one that that did what Captain America said he didn't have the guts to do and this is highly important because when you get to Iron Man three which is a sequel to Avengers as I've said we get a totally different kind of Tony. In fact, there's one scene where he talks to Pepper and he says, I'm a piping hot mess. Nothing's been the same since New York. You experience things, things you can't explain, gods, aliens, other dimensions. I'm just a man in a tin can. So he's really gotten a sense of his own mortality by nearly dying in New York. And because of that, he's now having anxiety attacks uh, with anytime anybody mentions what happened in New York, all they have to do is mention New York, and he has an anxiety attack. So he's, he's really messed up. In fact, he's not sleeping. Every time he goes to sleep, he has nightmares of what happened. And he's staying awake for hours and hours on end tinkering with his suits of armor, because the suits of armor are, you know, the, his hobby, the thing that, that he's able to lose himself in. And so he At the beginning of this movie, we see that he's gotten all the way up to Mark 42. And since he introduced Mark 7 at the end of Avengers, that means that he's done 35 suits in the time since New York. So he's been tinkering pretty much around the clock for however long there was between the two movies. And he's created 35 suits in that amount of time. And he'd only done seven suits from the time that he had started, the first suit he that he had built um, when he was a captive. So it, it's just an indication of, of um, how much time and energy he's putting into this hobby that's keeping him away from his anxieties and his worries. And so he's on Mark 42, which on a side note, I think is hilarious because the last episode I did was on the movie 42, which is a totally different movie, but it's the same number. And then a long time ago, Daniel Lewis and I did an episode on The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in which number 42 played a a very high importance because it was the answer to life, the universe, and everything. And so it's funny how 42 pops up everywhere. It must be everybody's favorite number. Now, the interesting thing was that when Captain America and... Tony Stark had this conversation uh, prior to the battle that went on in New York City. The answer that Tony came up with for who he was, was, you know, billionaire, genius, philanthropist, all of that stuff. That's what he is without the suit. But in this movie, he's struggling with it a little bit, coming up with answers to who he is. And I think that that is part of the identity crisis that he's going through, because he loses a lot of the things that he identifies himself. He's, he loses his house, he loses access, I would assume to a good bit of his money and and prestige and identity, because he's issued a personal challenge to a bad guy. And this is just another side note, I'm going off on a lot of bunny trails today. But if you're going to issue a challenge to a bad guy, don't give them your home address. Okay, He had everything at his house and he turns around and gives this really bad guy who's been like bombing places all over the world, his home address. I'm not, I'm, I'm having a little problem finding where the genius part is because that was not really smart. And he does apologize later to Pepper for it, that it was really stupid of him to have done that and put her in danger. And it wasn't just him that was in danger because of that, but Anyway, that was a side note, it was a hilarious side note, but yeah, it was like, don't give him your home address. So he loses his house. I mean, everybody knows that it was in the trailer, even if you haven't seen the movie and you're still listening to this podcast, having not seen the movie, you know that he loses his house because that's a significant part of the movie trailer. And he, the rest of the movie is him just making do with what he's got and most of what he's got is his brains. That's all he's got left because he's he's got a suit that's broken and not charged up. And because he's the suit is his only access to Jarvis, he's even lost Jarvis's aid in being able to help him solve problems. Because in the past, Jarvis, I, I would assume that he invented Jarvis, so Jarvis is an extension of him. But in the end, it's it's an artificial intelligence that, fills in the gaps for him that does a lot of the calculations and and everything so that he doesn't have to do it himself. So without Jarvis, now he has to do everything himself instead of relying on Jarvis to design things or or come up with things for him. Now, when he he limps into this little town in the middle of Tennessee, and you have to have seen the movie to understand why he's in Tennessee, and it's not important to what I'm talking about, so I'm not going to explain it. So just go see the movie. But he's in Tennessee and he goes into this, he, he breaks into this garage, it looks like, or workshop, and this little kid stumbles in on him and they have this conversation and he, the kid obviously wants to know who he is because he's like on his personal property and he just steps aside and shows him the suit, which he's not in at the time because it's it's kind of drained and not working at the moment. And so the kid is like, well, that's Iron Man. And he's like, well, technically, I'm Iron Man. And then they exchange who they are. I mean, the little kid identifies himself as Harvey. And he says, and who are you? And Tony says, "Um, the mechanic, Tony. So instead of referring to himself as Iron Man, he's now referring to himself as the mechanic. And that actually continues through a good bit of the movie where he's just the mechanic. And he's, because he no longer has his suit, he he can't keep that identity as Iron Man. It's like he lost it because he's not in the suit. So therefore he is not Iron Man. He is now the mechanic because he fixes things. And so it's actually my favorite part of the movie because one of my favorite TV shows growing up was MacGyver. And if any of you have have remember MacGyver were uh, alive when MacGyver was on or have watched reruns of it um, in this day and age. You'll know that the thing about MacGyver that was so cool was that he could make everything that was around him work. He thought on his feet. He didn't take weapons into a battle. He just used whatever was available and he would make bombs out of chemicals in your kitchen and, and all kinds of fun little knickknacks. And I mean, he was like a super spy with none of the gadgets because he made them on the go. Whenever he needed something, he made it. And that's what Tony Stark becomes in this movie. It's like a a little smidgen of MacGyver in the middle of Iron Man 3. And I think that's one of the reasons why I ended up liking this movie more than the other three, because I liked that about Tony, that he could think on his feet when he absolutely had to. And he didn't need all of his little toys. He could just use whatever was available. And this seems to have been a growing part for Tony, because when you get to the end of the movie... He has stripped himself of all of the Iron Man facade. He's destroyed all of his suits. His house is gone. He's, he's just himself. And he's, he makes this statement. He says, my armor was never a distraction or a hobby. It was a cocoon. But I'm a changed man. They can take away my house, my tricks, and my toys. But one thing they can't take away from me, I am Iron Man. And that's the way the movie ends. So he's solved his identity crisis. He no longer has to uh, struggle with answering the question, who are you when he's without his armor? Because he's no longer identifying the armor as being Iron Man or himself in the armor as Iron Man. He is now Iron Man without the cocoon of his or the protection of his suits. And so, he solved that crisis he he came to an understanding of who he was now to pull a little Christianity into this because that's kind of the point of this podcast is to do a little christian critical thinking the the reiteration over and over again in this movie that he was a changed man because it came at the beginning as well when he was doing a flashback back to his playboy days in nineteen ninety nine um when when he makes that transition from talking about that time to the present, he says, but I'm a changed man, and he says, "You you know who I was, you know who, well, you know who I am," and then he says, "I'm a changed man," and I kept thinking this emphasis on being changed and and having a change really talks about to a Christian the the before and after of being saved because it says in. In Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that is the kind of transformational power that Christ has on us. That we we become somebody completely different than we were before we were saved. There, there's a distinct before and after, and we may still struggle with the old man because it says it is reiterated in multiple places in the New Testament that you will struggle with with the flesh your the old man but in Christ when we have the holy spirit we have the power to put aside that old man and find identity in Christ and that is the, our salvation is our identity in Christ now of course tony is a superhero in this movie and to have a superhero you have to have evil that go back back going back to the definition that I presented earlier, you have to have an evil villain, somebody to fight. You know, really a superhero isn't a superhero unless there's a supervillain to fight because otherwise they're just weird people in, in strange costumes. But in this movie, we have the villain that they present in the beginning of the movie and in the trailer. And then you have the villain who is the real villain. And that is a major plot point that I am going to spoil for you right now. The Mandarin is not the real villain. He is just a cover for the real villain, and so all of that that they built up in the in the trailer and at the beginning of the movie of this evil Chinese guy who's who's um just bombing targets for no reason because he's a terrorist. Well, he's not really a terrorist. He's really just a, um, a actor who's playing a part. To cover up some accidental explosions, and uh, maybe not all the explosions were accidental, but it started out that way to cover up accidental explosions. But it's interesting because in your first, it, when you first hear the Mandarin talking, um, he's he makes this comment. He says, "Some people call me a terrorist. I consider myself a teacher." And so he's he's talking about the the identity again it's that whole identity of some people will say because of what i'm doing i'm a terrorist and i'm really consider myself a teacher because i'm teaching people lessons using violence and so it's you know that whole identity thing is how do some people see you and how do you see yourself and then this comes out again in um later on when you're talking to the real villain whose name is Killian And Tony and him are having a conversation and Tony says, you're a maniac. And he says, no, I am, I'm a visionary. I own a maniac. And so it's um, another situation where Tony sees him. And well, probably most people would see him as being a maniac, but he sees himself as a visionary because he's introducing a new technology to the world. And so that makes him a visionary. And so identity it seems to play a really strong theme in this movie it's like it's not just Tony's identity it's the identity of the villain and it's even Pepper's identity because um, Pepper goes through a bit of a transformation in this movie as well and she has to um, actually protect and save Tony in the end which is amazing because it's, it's finally nice to see her step up and be more than just the woman at home wringing her hands and so I I really like that that in this movie though I think some people found it disappointing I was in the theater for the second showing and sitting next to a group of four people who were talking during the credits they were waiting for the the little teaser bit that's at the end Um, all of Marvel's movies have those so if you have always left early and you need to sit and wait all the way through the end of the credits there's always something at the end. Always, even if it's not a teaser for a new movie, there's always something there. But we were just sitting there and they were talking amongst themselves. I wasn't part of the conversation about how much they were disappointed by the movie. And I've heard that from a lot of people that they were disappointed by Iron Man 3. And it seems like that some of it boils down to the ending. They didn't like the way it ended with him destroying his suits and maybe even Pepper saving him in the end that it wasn't Iron Man that saved the day. It was Pepper that saved the day. And I just I don't know I I, to me the ending was satisfying so I don't I don't know why people found that um, Not a good ending if if you yourself didn't like it I do encourage you to come and give me some feedback as to why you didn't like the ending of Iron Man 3 Um, The show notes for this podcast are going to be at are you just slash 37 So all you have to do is come to the show notes leave me a comment And tell me why you didn't like the end of the movie, because I did and I don't understand those who didn't. Now I'm going to get on to one of my little soapboxes, because the very next thing that I want to talk about in this movie is the topic of how they are dealing with this change that this villain has come up with. Because he's presenting this information about... Uh, There being this like this empty slot in our minds where our entire DNA is destined to be upgraded. And all we have to do is hack into the hard drive of any organism and and program it to repair itself or do whatever. So he's he's found this way to um, work directly on an organism and, and force an upgrade is basically the way he talks about it. But then later on, you see him Discuss or describe extremists, which is the technology he's come up with, as the next iteration of human evolution. And I just talked about this in my "Did you see that?" segment in the last episode, and that's at AreYouJustWatching dot slash thirty six. Um, it's all the way at the end of the, of the episode. But I did a, did you see that on a TV show where they were talking about the same thing? It was like a hawkish like creature who is having problems with his, uh, genetic alteration getting out of control. And I made the point it's like this, this is ridiculous. You can't have it both ways. You either created something or something evolved. You can't have something that you created evolve because Your very intervention, you're creating it, is then the purpose for whatever's changing, is making. So you can't have it both ways. It's either um, the scientists are playing God or it's evolution. It's not both. It can't be both. If the scientists are playing God, then God is the designer and they're playing God and designing something. And it's maybe not doing a very good job because they are not God and so they do it wrong. But you can't have it both ways. It can't be designed and it and they can't talk about it in all of these terminologies that make it sound like hardware and software and being upgraded and having information and and ways to adapt and change and adapt the information by intelligent intervention. That's not evolution. There's no part of that that's evolution. So I don't know why they have to suddenly throw evolution into it because they've, they've built the entire premise on the idea that it's something designed and then they, then they throw evolution in there. It's really, honestly, they can't have it both ways. One other interesting thing in, in the aspect of this black hole in the mind, uh, where, where Killian was telling Pepper that it was upgradable. One of the things that popped into my mind was the whole idea of the God-shaped hole. And I know that's kind of a philosophical way of putting it, but uh, God created us. We were created to be with God, and sin separated us from God. So if you take something out of us, which could be uh, phrased as, you know, that, that perfect relationship, that connection with God. It might appear like a black void in our souls where we're, we're disconnected from God. I know that they weren't thinking about that when they did this movie because they were talking about it from a totally different angle, but that's what it made me think of. It's if you see this black hole, this tiny little spot inside the psyche or inside the mind that's waiting for an upgrade, then perhaps that upgrade that it's waiting for is that reconnection. That, I mean, a hole implies there's something missing. Not that there's room for something to be added, but that there's something missing. What's missing in the human psyche is that perfect connection with God. And the only way we can reestablish that is through salvation through Christ. The way they present science in Iron Man 3 is intriguing to me. Because you always hear about science being this pure intellectual academic kind of thing where only honest people work and they report the facts just the way they're supposed to be. And, and there's always this big divide supposedly between science and faith because science is, is pure and unsullied and unbiased and faith is bringing something to the table that isn't already there. But I've always held the fact that anything that you put a human being in is going to have some kind of lack of purity because we are all sinful creatures and we all come to, we always bring something to the table, whether we're, we're being, uh, talking about religion or we're talking about science, we're always bringing something to the table. And so I don't believe that people of faith can't do good science because while they're bringing their faith to the table, they are looking at it from a point of view of using science to, 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 gain more knowledge about their God or about our God. While scientists who are not Christians or are of other faiths, they're taking their own preconceived ideals of how the world works to their science and they're forcing the science to, or they're using the science. I, I, I don't know whether they're actually forcing the science, but maybe deep down they don't realize they are, but in a way they really are forcing the science to, speak to them about the way they view the world. It's all about worldview. And it comes out in Iron Man 3 because he's talking to Maya, who is the inventor of the extremist uh, stuff that they're talking about in here. And she actually, it's um, Pepper that's talking to her. And she makes the comment. She's like, what happened? We all begin wide eyed, pure science. And then obsession sets in and you look up, you're a long way from shore. And then later, Tony is talking to Maya, and she, she makes the comment. She says, extremists is practically stable. Um, and then they have a little conversation about why it isn't. And then she asks him to help her fix it. And he says, well, you took his card talking about uh, Killian. And she says, no, I took his money. And he comes back, or Tony comes back and says, you used to have a moral psychology. You used to have ideals. I get to wake up with someone who still has their soul. So there's this underlying idea that they have corrupted the science or the science that has corrupted them one way or the other. And I find that really intriguing that they brought this out in the movie that, that, that the science, just the pure love, the, the desire to know, to work towards a goal, left them open to be corrupted. In Maya's case, it was because she needed the money and the support to do the research because she couldn't afford to do it on her own. And then it got used for bad things. And, but for Killian, it was a way for him to gain power. So he took what he, his science and his know how and his money and his resources, and he did evil with it simply because he needed power. He wanted power. He craved power. And so. There's this instance where science has been used as a tool to support bad agendas. And I'm sorry, I think that is a really cool thing for that movie to bring out because it is so much the case. I mean, even when we talk about big scientific conglomerates here in the United States, specifically the pharmaceutical companies, they use their research and development to gain power. And they may not think of it as being power, but money and resources and a lobby, government lobbies and all the other things that they, they have the power to do because they have the medicine and they have the research and the science and that just puts them in control. And that kind of power corrupts. And there's just, and, and you, Maya is actually wondering, she says, well, how does it corrupt? I don't understand how it corrupts. And even um, later on, Tony says at the very end of the movie, he makes some comments like things start out pure. Um, You start something pure, you start something exciting, and then you there's mistakes and there's compromise. And we create our own demons because that's another underlying theme of the movie is that we create our own demons um, by corrupting these things that we want to be pure. And the answer to that question that they pose in the movie and they never really answer is is that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. Jeremiah seventeen nine. That's the answer. And we have brought this out in previous episodes of Are You Just Watching? It comes up again and again and again because so much of Hollywood is based on making the heart the thing that you turn to. And when you need good advice. But the heart is deceitfully wicked. You can't trust it. You cannot trust your heart to lead you the correct way. And you will constantly corrupt pure things no matter who's involved or who's doing it or what the intentions are. It will get eventually corrupted because at the base of it is a human heart that is corrupted by sin. And unless we put God first and let the Holy Spirit guide it and we ask for his wisdom and his leading, we will always corrupt whatever we do. It's it's just human nature, as long as there's a human involved. And science, unfortunately, is in heavily involved with humanity. I mean, there's people doing it. That's, it's a tool that we use, and tools can always be misused, and tools will always be misused, as long as mankind is using those tools in sin. Now, the, there was some other religious stuff in the movie, it's kind of trite. Um, but there's some religious stuff there. They reference, in fact, it's, I'm not even entirely sure that it's caught by most people. But one of the first things that the Mandarin uh, claims to be responsible for is a bombing of a church. And in Saudi Arabia, no, in Kuwait, I think it's in Kuwait. Didn't write that down. So hopefully I got that right. And it's, and it's a church filled with women and children, and it gets bombed. Well, what we find out in the movie is that the bombs are not really bombs. They're people who are failing the extremist program. They've been given this these injections, and if they get too hot, they internally combust. They just basically turn into bombs themselves. And I can't help but wonder, thinking back to that statement where he takes credit for this church exploding, and he makes this big deal about it being... Um, them going after the women and children while the warriors are away. But I got to thinking that's probably not the case. I mean, he's taking credit for accidental explosions. So this actual, this explosion that took place in this church may have been one of the extremist, uh, Guinea pigs who was seeking godly help. He had gone to church because he needed help because he was addicted to the stuff they had him on and it was hurting him and he was seeking godly help, and he, he ended up exploding while he was at the church because he got too hot. That would be my guess. And it's not really said that any way, anyway in the movie, but I think that that's an important point, that it was somebody who was seeking spiritual help um, that exploded in a church and took out other innocent people. And it, I drew that out because where would you go if you're in desperate need of help? the best place to go is a church, because even if you die in this life, if you've made yourself right with God, then you have hope of something that comes after. And while it's a sad occurrence that a church was was destroyed with with families in it, um, that was one of the things that I thought of just in that one mention of that incident. Now, one of the other extremist explosions, the one that Tony is investigating in Tennessee happened prior to the mandarin claim taking claim for any of this stuff and it was a soldier that they said suicided using a bomb and he killed five other people and when tony looks at the site you see the the silhouettes of five people on the walls kind of le- left in black charcoal and they're like shadows left behind and he's talking to harvey the little boy that's helping him and harvey says that it's kind of like a a, a little story that they tell in the area that that the shadows are the souls that went to heaven. It's what they leave behind when they go to heaven. And that there were only five because the sixth person, the bomber, didn't go to heaven. He went to hell. And so he didn't get a shadow. And it's kind of a... A little weird to to put that into terminology. That way, obviously, it was a story they used to explain that there were only five shadows, not understanding that the reason there wasn't a sixth one was because the bomb, bomber himself was the bomb, and so there was nothing left over of him. He literally incinerated. But trying to come up with an, a way of explaining the shadows, I guess telling kids that the shadows are the people who went to heaven, but we we know that that's not how people are determined whether or not they go to heaven. I mean, the bomber may have had the best intentions in the world. We don't know. I mean, he, he was a tool. He was, he was being a weapon used in somebody else's hands. Um, He didn't really have a choice. In fact, there was probably um, what they showed the one other guy that they showed explode. He was probably pleading for help, somebody to stop it. Um, So he may have, been in a, in a state of repentance at the time that he died and we look at scripture we know that the only way to heaven is repentance because we we are all sinners and we are none of us are worthy of heaven and it's only through the blood of christ the blood of jesus christ um, where he paid for our sin on the cross and then conquered death by rising from the dead it's only through that that we have any hope of heaven because we are caught. If we are caught at any moment of our lives um, with death and we're not prepared, we have not um, made right, made ourselves right with God and, and accepted that free gift of salvation. Then we are not ready. So there might've been five people that, that died in addition to the bomber but we don't know the condition of their souls. The bomber may have been one of the ones that was in repentance at that time. And while we don't really know what happened with the other five. So it's, it's kind of a spiritual myth and it really doesn't make any sense, but it's something that they would probably have told kids to comfort them uh, after such a horrible act of terrorism. Now, one of the other couple little things that were mentioned, Tony at one point says the Mandarin talks like a Baptist pastor um, or bas- Baptist preacher. I go to a Baptist church. I can tell you the Mandarin doesn't talk like a Baptist preacher. But I think what he was talking about was the the fact that they he would make comments um, that just seemed to meander and, and make no sense. He was like teaching using um, parables or stories and trying to make his point without just saying it. He didn't come out and and be blunt about what he was trying to say. He would always talk around it. Um, I think part of that was because it was live theater for the guy who was playing the Mandarin. One last reference uh, that has to do with religion in the movie is when, at the very end, uh, Tony is fighting off all of these extremist uh, soldiers um, that are really hot, and he calls in by this time they have shuffled through the rubble of his house enough to uncover the vault. And in the vault, he has all of his suits all the way up to 42. Um, And so he's able to call them in to help using Jarvis. It's like Jarvis just, you know, bring them all. And so he has all of these suits that are fighting and are prepared to fight actually. And he orders Jarvis to take the bad guys to church. I'm assuming that's some kind of slang for let's, Let's end them. Let's destroy them. I don't know exactly where that came from. And I I think it's actually a bad use of the phrase, take them to church when you're talking about killing a bunch of people. It was just a very obvious line. Now, one last thing that is in Iron Man 3 that it doesn't really appear in any of the other Marvel movies that I can think of really is this little boy Harvey and the interaction between him and Tony Stark. It's it's interesting because we've never seen Tony as a father figure. He's always been very much a playboy. And in the past movies, he's been dealing with issues left over from having his father die when he was still pretty young and never having a- been able to develop a, a strong relationship with his own father, who was always busy and never had time for him. And now when Tony is severed from his identity as Iron Man, he comes upon this little boy who's actually pretty intelligent. And in fact, the Harvey gives him some ideas for a future uh, suit, which is kind of cool. He says, I thought always thought you could do this thing to make it more like s- stealthy. And he's like, I may have to try that. So the kid's pretty smart. And having this interaction between him and Tony is like kind of, I guess, seeing Tony as a potential father material in the future is like, Could he ever develop a relationship with kids? And it's interesting because Harvey, when he asks Harvey where everybody is, Harvey says, well, mom just left for the diner. Dad went to get scratchers. I guess he must have won. He never came back. That was six years ago. And Tony's response to that was, dad's leave. No need to get a pussy about it. And so he's actually very callous about the fact that this kid is fatherless. And it's sad because it, this is a situation where a little boy is probably needing a father figure in his life and it's hitting Tony at a time when he's very vulnerable. And I think you you kind of see that the relationship was established there because at the end of the movie, the little boy, I guess, comes home from school and he opens the door to the little workshop where he had originally found Tony and everything in the workshop has been upgraded and it's all beautiful and lots of technology and little robots and stuff where Tony has outfitted his entire workshop with all the toys and gadgets that a little boy could possibly dream of. And so he he did come back and he did take care of the boy, but he did it from afar. He just gave him things. And so I, I think in that way, it's like Tony didn't really establish um, a good father figure. He didn't, he, he's still absent. In fact, when he leaves, Harvey says, um, "Now you're just going to leave me here like my dad." Tony's like, "What? You guilt tripping me?" And Harvey's like, it's, "But it's cold out here." And he's like, "You're guilt tripping me. I know how. You know how I know we're connected." And then he drives away, and the kid's like shrugs it off and says, "Well, it was worth a try." I I think to be honest that it was not showing that Tony was not showing himself to be good father figure because he was still self-absorbed enough that he did not. Yeah. He saved the kid. The kid saved him. It was really kind of reciprocal. The kid was there for him when he needed him and, and he, he pays him back for it, but he doesn't go to the extra mile. I think to actually become involved in the kid's life. And that's what kids need. They need people involved in their lives, not just giving them things a house is good at you know shelter food the the basic necessities are what all kids need, but they really need the attention of the important do- adults in their lives to have influence on them and it 's interesting because i I kind of harped on this a little bit in talking about the movie forty two because that really came out in that movie as well with the um the little boys that were watching the uh, adults in their lives now in um Ephesians actually kind of reiterated in a couple places throughout the New Testament. But um, in Ephesians 6, 4, it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I just want to reiterate the fact that as father figures, it's not enough to give children things. You need to be instructing them and raising them. It's an active thing that you do with children. You don't just Give them the things they need, the necessities, and then go to work and just leave them. You, you have to be active in their lives and be an influence. In fact, so a lot of studies that are coming out now with all of the um, single parent families, where, with most of them being single mothers, that the, they're coming up with a lot of studies now showing how, much, how damaging that is to children raised in a one-parent home where they don't have a good father figure in their life. And I think, in fact, there's a lot of connection to the way our society is crumbling. Um, that we have so many children that were being raised in, by their moms and not saying that they don't need moms, they need moms, too. They need two parent families, they need a mom who is, is nurturing them, and they need a father who's instructing them. And that that's so important. It's so important that Um, these children be raised in good stable homes with both a mother and a father. And so it was interesting that there was so much emphasis on this child in Iron Man three. And I know that the rumor is that this is the last of the Iron Man movies. I mean, there's only so many Iron Man movies they can make. And I don't even know whether Iron Man is going to show up in the next Avengers movie. That's um, has not been, I haven't seen that uh, stated anywhere. And this movie really felt like the way it ended, the way it credits at the end, they kind of flash back to all three movies. I, it just felt like it was very final, like this was the end of the franchise. And so I don't know whether we'll see any more Iron Man movies. It would be interesting to see whether there would ever be uh, more of a relationship between Tony Stark and Harvey. That it just it, it was a very cute interplay and a valuable interplay. And it would it would be nice to see something happen with that. But I don't know that we will. Before I close this topic on Iron Man, I want to hearken back just a little bit to our original discussion on what is a superhero. Because this is the geek Christian podcasters theme week. And our topic is superheroes. And I discussed at the beginning how Tony Stark doesn't necessarily fulfill all the requirements of a superhero because he's not magical, he's not supernatural, Uh, he has no special powers other than being really smart. And then I talked just briefly about the the portion where uh, Captain America was kind of ribbing him in the Avengers about not being the one to take the sacrificial play. And I I think it's interesting because. Captain America is the one character he he has the best lines in Avenger in in several well, let me take that back. Tony Stark has some of the best lines in Avenger, but some of my favorite lines in The Avengers was Captain America's comments about uh there only being one God and he doesn't dress like thor and so i I like Captain America in that movie. But this comment that he makes about being the one to make the sacrificial play, the one to to lay down and protect his friends, um, giving his life for his friends, it's interesting because that really harkens back to the true supernatural hero, the true superhero in all of our lives, and that is Jesus Christ. Because he was the one that came, and I don't know about wearing a funny suit, but he definitely fought evil. And he gave his life. He, he was the one that made the sacrificial play. He he gave his life for us, all of us, so that we might be saved from our own sin. And he led a perfect life and he was God incarnate. And he and he sacrificed his life for us. He 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 bled out his his life um, to cover the horror of our sin and to make us cl- to cleanse us from that sin. He was the only offering that would do that, and, and so he, he made that play. It says in um, Romans 5, 6 through 8, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ, Jesus Christ, made the ultimate Uh, was the ultimate superhero because he was the one that saved us from an eternity of separation from God. And I just wanted to bring that out because the true definition of a superhero is Jesus Christ. He, he is in every way, a superhero for those of us who are saved. And for those of you perhaps who are listening to this and have not, um, who have not experienced that supernatural love in your own life, then I strongly at, uh, encourage you to check out that I'm going to post a link in the show notes for how you can learn more about becoming saved about how to meet Christ and have accepting that free gift of salvation. So please take advantage of that because there are the superheroes that, that we get all uh, excited about in these movies and in, pulp culture and books and comic strips and whatever, those are all fantasies and they're all counterfeits of the true superhero. They're all counterfeits of God. And he is as Captain America puts the, there's only one God and he doesn't dress like that. Now I'm not going to do a, did you see that segment at the end of this episode? Cause I'm already going kind of long, but I do want to continue to ask for submittals for that And all it is, is I'm saying 90 seconds, but it can go longer. If you need to talk for a minute or two on it, that's not a big deal. I just would love to get submissions of, to know that my listeners are out there applying Christian critical thinking, looking beyond just the story and trying to uh, find how it connects to God and the Bible and Christian living and, and, and responding to me I I just love to hear some of what what you are finding out there both in and it can be a movie it can be news it can be a TV show it can be a book you read it can be an article on Facebook it can be all kinds of things and so I really encourage you to check all of that out and and um, submit it did you see that now you can do that by sending a email to feedback at are you just And just put, did you see that in the header? You can record your own or you can just write it and I'll read it, It, really like it if you would record something and send it. You can also go to our website. Now the show notes for this particular episode are are com slash 37. And once you get on our website, if you're actually on the website, you will see that there's this little link that appears on the right side of the browser window. And it says to to leave a voicemail. So you can actually click on that and record directly there. And that will get to uh, me as well. There's also something like that on our Facebook page. If you go to facebook.com slash are you just watching, we have a, a link there where you can record something for us. So there's lots of different ways that you can give us feedback and I really am excited to know uh, what all of you thought of Iron Man 3 because I'm hearing a lot of mixed reviews on it. And I'm hoping that that you will comment and check out the other podcasts that are talking about superheroes this week you can uh, go back and listen to the beginning of this where it talks about which ones there were. But I also have links to every one of those podcasts at the beginning of my show notes. So please go check them out hear what they have to say about superheroes. I'm planning to check them out myself. It sounds like a, a fun topic from many different points of view. And I'm really hoping that um, that you enjoy branching out and trying some new podcasts. And I'm hoping that I get some new listeners from it as well, because I'm hoping that those who have listened to them will come and listen to me and, and check out Are You Just Watching and come back and hear more episodes. So I just really appreciate you uh, hanging in for this entire discussion on Iron Man 3. And I do Hope that you will um, subscribe to the podcast. Go to and we have multiple ways of doing that. Just go to areyoujustwatching.com and check out the various options for subscriptions, and tune in next time. I'm hope still hoping to do another an episode on the Hunger Games uh, coming up soon. I it's summer's going to get busy. I may not get an episode out in June, but I'm really hoping to get one out for um, The Hunger Games before too long. So keep an eye out for that in the feed and do comment. And if you have any suggestions for movies that you would like me to talk about or TV shows, um, feel free to send those as well. You can post them in the comments or you can send them to the feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. I'm Eve Franklin. Thank you for listening. And don't just watch.
1: Are You Just Watching As a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our main vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx.